with me while I get my computer to cooperate. How's everyone this morning? Good. So we are we are continuing continuing our series on uh, can't complain. So, so it's uh, so we started our challenge, no complain, November, right? How have you guys been doing on that? Have Have you guys been doing awesome? Have you guys been uh, been cranking it out? John, you have no complaints. It's been difficult, right? Um, it's, it's certainly um, not easy to to not complain. Right. Um, we find something to complain about um, or something finds us so we can complain. Right. And so um, so, you know, like I said last week, I don't it's not something that I expect us to be like winners at, you know, not complaining. Um, but um, let me start out by just saying thank you so much, Nathan, for a fantastic uh, communion. Um uh, I felt like I was I was certainly taught, um, so I appreciate that uh, so much. Um, thanks to our veterans as well. Um, I want to say happy Happy Veterans Day, right? Uh, thank you so much for serving us in the past and and um, keeping our country safe. And so, though we talked about praise last week. Um, as one of the antidotes to complaining, we're going to touch a little bit more on praise this week as well. Amen. Um, so let's go to God in prayer to begin with. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer just thankful for your grace and your mercy. Father, we do complain. God, it's unfortunately a part of us. Uh, we do it every day. But Father, I pray that we will find a way out of it being a habit. God, I pray that you will be with us this morning. I pray that you will be with me this morning, that this will not be my opinion, but this will be your words, Father. Father, help fill me with an extra dose of your spirits. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen. And so let's turn our Bibles to begin with. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans 3. 23. Actually, you don't have to turn there. It's, it's on the screen. But for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? And in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we talked last week about last week about the fact that complaining is sin, right? And so as we complain, we we should think about there are some wages for that. We do get paid something for our sin of complaining. But also, we do have Jesus. Amen? We do have Jesus as our Savior. 
You know, Paul wrote this after Jesus. Amen. Right? So, so and, and, and he didn't write this, and when he wrote this, he, he wrote this in a way that, that he wanted us to not ignore our problems. And it's part of the gospel message. Part of the gospel message is that we live in a fallen world. And there's a whole lot to complain about in this fallen world that we live in. You know, there's a lot I wanted to complain about even this week. Some things I caught myself and didn't complain about, and some things it just kind of slipped and I complained, right? But there's a lot that, that I wanted to complain about. I wanted to, like I said last week, I wanted to complain about the lines at the store. They're just way too long. Because how in the world do you have 20 registers and two open? Like, where does that have, where does that come from? Like, how are you going to have 20 registers and two of them open on a busy day? Right? So, by the way, let me tell you, this is where I get to do my complaint. Right? This is part of my message, so I'm allowed. So I'm allowed to do it right now. Yeah, this is what I didn't complain about, so I get to do it now. So how in the world do you have 20 registers and only two open? Doesn't make sense, right? And I don't know, when we moved here five years ago, there was no traffic in Madison. Like literally none. Or New Market. All of a sudden, traffic everywhere. It's like I can't drive anywhere in Huntsville now without traffic. Just saying. Just saying. Not a complaint, really. That's a lament. I'm just saying. Right? Traffic everywhere now. But there's always something on my mind and on my heart. There's also sometimes, you know, on our minds and on our hearts, a complaint about someone, too. Not going to go there this morning, because I expect to be liked after I preach in the morning. But there's that, too, right? And so the question is not, does the world have problems? That's not the question. We know the world has problems. The question is, is your God bigger than the problems of the world? Is your God bigger than the problems of the world? Is your God small or is he big? How great is your God? There's the song right there, right? Singers. I asked for that song this morning, and they told me no. But that's okay. That's not a complaint. That's a lament. But how great is your God? Do you have a big God, or do you have a small God? Is your God bigger than the world's problems? Is your God bigger than your problems? Is your God bigger 
than the problems you woke up with this morning? Is your God bigger than the problems you went to bed with last night? Or last week? The ones you're still holding on to from last month. Is your God bigger? And so I want to challenge you this morning to magnify your God. Because your God is indeed bigger. You know, the power of a magnifying glass is that it makes small things big. It makes those things that we, we, we look at through the magnifying glass, it makes them big. Something very similar with a telescope. It makes those things far away close. How far is your God? Some of us, I think, our God is so far away that we need to bring him a lot closer. Amen? Sometimes I think our complaints come from the fact that our God is too small and our God is too far away. And we got to learn how to bring him in. The simple things that we complain about shows us that our God is tiny. That our God is too far away. And so what can we do to bring our God in? We got to figure that out. We got to figure out how to draw our God in. For our teens, some of you guys, you guys remember Street Fighter? Is it Street Fighter? Is that the game where he goes, come here? Mortal Kombat. See, I don't even know. You guys know. Come here. Right? You got to bring God in. Come here. Right? The teens are looking at me like, you just totally messed that up. Get over here. Okay, well, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Stop complaining. Right? Well, we got to bring God in. He's too far away. That's why we're complaining. You know, even Jesus may have felt this on the cross. In Matthew 27, verse 46. About three in the morning, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away? Why have you left me right now? Why am I alone right now? Why do you seem small right now? You guys ever feel that way? If anyone is going to complain and be justified in it, it's Jesus on the cross. You know, what if there was a way for us to magnify God over our problems? Or to remember that God is never far away and our circumstances can't possibly Affect God and our relationship with Him. Like if we had a biblical 
magnifying glass or a biblical telescope so we could we could see how close God really is to us every day rather than we wake up in the morning and feel like he's far away or he's too small because you know sometimes what we do is we wake up and the first thing we think about is the issue the problems in our lives and then, and then what magnifies that in the opposite direction instead of bringing us to God is then we turn on the news. Oops. And then what happens is it brings us further, farther away because we're seeing more problems and more issues. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, if you cannot magnify God, it is probably because you are magnifying yourself. If you're not magnifying God, it's probably because you're magnifying yourself. It's probably because you're very tied up in you and what you have going on rather than God. And what he can do for you. And what he can do in your life. And how he can make your life better. Guys, we need to figure out how to draw ourselves closer to him. Make him bigger. Well, I think we do have a way to magnify God. And I think it's right in the middle of our Bibles. In fact, it's the biggest book in our Bibles. Regularly reading and praying through the Psalms is a magnifying glass that makes God bigger than our problems. And a telescope that reminds us that God is near. And I'll prove to you the, that the beginning of, with the beginning of Jesus' very words from the cross, you know, Jesus did it. You know, we just read that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that almost sounds like a complaint. It at least sounds negative. In fact, many commentaries see this as lament. But now turn to Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, what we're going to do is we're going to go through this section by section. It is a psalm of individual lament, but it's also a psalm of confidence, according to James Montgomery Boyce. It's a psalm of confidence, and we'll see this at the end. And so in this psalm, we see the psalmist move from problem to praise. Isn't that where we want to be? We want to go from our problem to praise. We want to go from having a problem in our lives to being able to praise God. Amen? And so this psalm was writ written 1,000 years before Jesus was born. 
and 800 years before crucifixion was even invented. Yet here we are, generations before the birth of Jesus, and David takes us back to the future, putting, at the, putting us at the foot of the cross of Jesus, his descendant. And Psalm 22, 1 through 2, we're going to start there. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far, so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Remember, this is a thousand years before Jesus. Right? And Jesus, Jesus talks these same exact words. Jesus was quoting this psalm, not just lamenting, but quoting the psalm on the cross. I read this the other day. It says it's it's uh, entitled Asking God Why. It is always best to go first for our answers to Jesus himself. He cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a human cry, a cry of desperation springing from his heart's agony at the prospect of being put into the hands of wicked men and actually becoming sin for you and me. We can never suffer anything like that, yet we do at times feel forsaken and cry, Why, Lord? The psalmist asked, Why? Job, a blameless man, suffering horrible torments on an ashy, ash heap, Asked why. It does not seem to me to be sinful to ask the question. What is sinful is resentment against God and his dealings with us. And so this resentment is what sometimes will lead to us complaining. And I wonder if Jesus, I wonder if he breathlessly went through the rest of this psalm. And it seems to get worse at first. Let's look at what comes next. In verse 3, it says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You're the one of Is of you're the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. See, there's this reminder that God is big enough to rescue us. Our God is big enough to rescue us from any problem that we may have. But do we go to him? Do we draw him in to be rescued? Psalm 22, 6 through 8. 
It says, but I am, I am a worm. I'm a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone. Despised by the people. Does this sound familiar to his crucifixion? All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him, let him deliver him since he delights in him. How amazing that this is, this is prophesied so far back in the past. Some of the very same words that they used in his crucifixion. This psalm was written again 1,000 years before Jesus. Yet it quotes the people who stood around the cross. How amazing is that? It quotes their very words. Psalm 22, 9 through 11. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Even at my mother's breast, from birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. And there is no one to help. Here we have the psalm. The psalm reminds Jesus that God is not far away, but near. How far do you think your God is? Our God is near. Many of us have health issues going on. Your God is near. Many of us have financial things going on. Your God is near. Many of us have family things going on. Your God is near. Guys, we, can, we cannot act like our God is so far away. Our God is near. From in verse in verse 12 through 18, many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like, like a post potsherd. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare. And gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them. And cast lots. For my garment. Sound familiar? What prophecy. A thousand years before. So specific as it goes back to the suffering cross. Isn't this. Just how we battle at times. We battle the things that happen in our lives and the problems that happen in our lives. We battle these things. 
but are we remembering the closeness of our God in our battles? Or are we trying to do it all by ourselves? Verse 19. I'm sorry that it looks like that. I didn't get to um, fix that. Jamal, you can see that, right? All right. But you, Lord, good thing we have Bibles. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the, from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I, I will declare your name to my people. In assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him. All you descendants of Israel. For he is not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face. He's, he, he, he's not hidden his face from you. He may seem far away, but he is not hiding. But has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. Are you seeing how this went from problem to praise? All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness. Declaring to a people yet unborn that's what he has done it. That is praise. That we can go from problem in our lives to praise. That is a, that's a part of the gospel right there. That we see Jesus prophesied that the psalmist David was talking. Yes, he was talking about his life, but it's also prophecy a thousand years before. Talking about Jesus' crucifixion. Where he can go from problem to praise. And that's how we need to draw God in and look at the problems in our lives. That we can turn it into praise if we draw God in. If we pull him in, he's not far away. He's not too far away. Draw him in. He's not small. Make him big. Magnify him. 
things in your life are minute compared to what God can do. They're nothing. But guess what we do? We flip it around and we make our problems big and God small. We make people big and God small. Some of us, we go to work and we go to school and we go all over the place and we make people so big that we're afraid of them and we make God little. Please. My God is way bigger than those little people. Magnify your God. Lift him up. Exalt him. Those of you at school, don't be scared of your professors. Please. They just got big mouths and they talk a lot. Sorry, John. (laughs) Magnify your God. I'm not talking about you. You're awesome. Magnify your God. Lift him up. He's bigger than they are. Come on. Put your shoulders back. Walk with a strut in your step because you're sons and daughters of God. And he's big. Guys, we got to change that. Our problems are, are, are not that big. Our Lord's Great object in laying down his life upon the cross was the Father's glory. Was his glory. It wasn't to say, oh, I'm going to lay down my life because, oh my gosh, these problems are so big that I got to die because, oh my goodness, the problems will take over if not. No. It was because he wanted to glorify his God. Shouldn't that be our attitude? Glory and praise of Jesus over our problems. Guys, stop magnifying the problems. And if you're going to magnify it, do it with the sun and burn it. Don't make them bigger. Don't make them bigger. It finally turns fully to praise here at the end and even triumphant praise and ends with the praise. He has done it. It's finished. His work on the cross was finished. That's glorious. That's amazing. You know, it brings me comfort that Jesus had something to bring him comfort in that dark moment that was brought about by my sin. Something could comfort him in that time. That something could bring him comfort at that dark moment of our sin. He could cling to this psalm as people mocked him and cast lots for his clothing and his his bones were out of joint. He could just look, he could just, 
he could talk this song on the cross. And the fact that Jesus made a verse of this psalm, one of his seven last words, gives us a special sacredness to it. You know, we, uh, we, approach, we approach it reverently as through, as though, you know, you know, we are allowed to, 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 and you know, we get to know a part of what was in the mind of our Lord. We get to know that this is what he was thinking as he died for our sins and the sins of the world. And it shows us that Jesus suffered separation. He suffered separation from God that none of us will ever understand. And he did that for all of us so that we don't have to magnify our issues. So that we don't have to look at the things that happen in our lives and say, oh, God, this is so much bigger than me. And it's so much bigger than God. Yeah, they may be bigger than us, but they're not bigger than God. What can the Psalms do for you? You know, there are resources out there that categorize the Psalms where you can pick a Psalm to pray through, to pray through it based on how you are feeling or what you need. That's awesome. But there's just so much in the Psalms. There's so much power in praise, not just a Christian radio thing. It's not just listening to Christian radio and being like, oh, I get to praise and listen to this. And I love Christian radio. I love the message. But it's more than that. It helped Jesus to endure the cross. So what I want to do now to close out I want to go to Psalm 23. And it's perhaps the most famous psalm of them all. And I want to ask you, right? What does, and I'm going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to ask you, what does each of these verses, and I'm going to take notes here, then I'm going to pray. What does each of these verses prompt you to pray about? It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What does that prompt you to pray about? Anyone? Just give praise. Okay. Micah? Use the situation, okay? All right. In verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What does that prompt you to pray about? Tom. Yeah. 
Amen. Awesome. Uh, JJ? Amen. Amen. Um, verse, verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He, he gives me, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. What does that prompt you to pray about? Tom? Good quiet times. Yeah, keep focus. Okay. All right, David. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, and verse 4 Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesse? Awesome. All right. Michael? Awesome. Awesome. And verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And verse six Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. And when I, at the end of this prayer, it will conclude the message for today. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, God, just so grateful for your word. Grateful for your son, Father. Grateful for his sacrifice for us. God, we are grateful for what you've put on the heart of men and women in your scripture and your word, God. And God, we're grateful for what David has put in the Psalms. Father, we're grateful for Psalm 23 and, and where he talks about your, the Lord being his shepherd and, and lacking nothing, God. We, God, we, we, we are grateful for the praise that he offers. God, we're grateful as well, God, to know that, God, that you have our back, Father. 
that you have our back with all things and and uh, that we can wait and ask in expectation that you will answer our prayers. Father, um, Father, you know, David says that he makes me lie down in green pastures and, and he leads me beside quiet waters, Father. You certainly do that for us, God. And God, this gives us peace. Father, this gives us such great peace, Father. And God, it encourages us to have better quiet times. It encourages us better to, to sit before you, Father, with our with your word and and to and to pray to you, Father, to to meditate. Father, on, on the things that you teach us, God, I pray that we will we will make habit of that, God. God, in verse three of of your word, you say, Father, that He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths, His, for His name's sake, Father. This is for Your name's sake, God, that You that You help us to keep focus, that we can trust in You. That we can trust your way, Father, more than any other way. God, that we can stay on that path with you, Father, and be certain that you're leading us in the right way. And it's for your name's sake. It's not for us, God. But it's for your name's sake, God. Father, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me always, Father. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, Father. Your rod, Father, God, I, it, it, put, it, it focuses me in the right direction. God, I know that we need discipline at times, Father, but no matter what, you are there. You are always with us, God, and I pray that we will, that we will draw you closer to us. That we will magnify you, Father, and make you big and pull you in. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God, you always give us more than we deserve. You always provide for us. You always make sure that our needs are taken care of. Father, we may not see it that way at times, but you know what is best. You know what is too much for us to have. And you know when we have too little. Surely, God, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in your house, in, in the house of the Lord forever. God, I am not going anywhere. I will be in this house forever. And all the problems here are temporary. They won't last. This is your eternal house and it's... I pray that it's mine and ours as well. God, we love you and we thank you so much for this time. We thank you that we can come before you freely and pray. Father, it's what our veterans fought for. It's what people still fight for. That we can do this in our country, that we can pray freely to you. God, I pray that we can we will go home and and lock ourselves off at times and pray. Father, thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy. God, we give you all the praise. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen.